Welcome to another episode of Insights with Sue. Enjoy. Blessings abound, my friend. This is Superintendent Janice Battersby greeting you from Shekinah Worship Center. And it's a pleasure to greet you this night. And greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our soon coming King. It's my pleasure to come to you another night with another installment of our program, Insights with Soup. And I come just to share with you another installment from our exciting, exciting study of Escape the Coming Night, which is a study in the book of Revelation by Dr. David Jeremiah. We just had a class, just finished a little while ago on a Thursday night, and let me tell you, it's exciting times, and I'd love for you to be a part of that, but I'll share more about that later with you. We're doing a Zoom lesson, and it's, again, 43 lessons going through the book of Revelation. And tonight, we were studying lesson number four, which is called Christ and His Churches. And I just want to share some of what we heard and discussed and learned some of us for the first time. It's exciting times. I, I That's the only word that I can think of to say. This is one of my favorite lessons. Why? Because it gives a vision of Christ like you've never heard before. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scripture, reference, and then talk to you just a bit about what we learned tonight. Now, the scripture reference is Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. And I'm going to be reading from the Holman Rainbow Study Bible, the NIV. And here it goes. Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. 
Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Here ends the reading of the word of God thus far. Wow, what a vision. In quick review, we're reading about the Apostle John, who, because of his preaching about Christ, was imprisoned on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. But sometimes the best way to hear God is to be alone, is to get away from all the noise and the clamor. And so sometimes we should rejoice in our solitude because that's when we get to hear what God has to say to us. And so for John, the Lord spoke to him and told him to write down what he was going to see and send it to seven churches that were quite close to the island of Patmos in Asia Minor. You had those seven churches. And actually, as we go on, we're going to hear about each of those churches, their characteristics, and apply them to our lives. It's quite a ride. I think you'll enjoy it. So here we are at lesson four, Christ and his churches. And we learned that the vision was seen by John while in exile. And he was put there by the emperor Domitian, the Roman emperor Domitian, because of his preaching, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. See, the emperors back then did not want anybody threatening their rule. And they would kill or imprison anyone who rose up to have any type of power outside of them. Now, one thing that we recall is that the Apostle John was called, or called himself, the Apostle who Jesus loved. And it was pointed to us by Dr. David Jeremiah that just because he was the disciple that Jesus loved did not keep him out of prison. It didn't keep him from tribulation. So that should be a lesson for us. In actual fact, once you become a child of God, you become an enemy of Satan. Of course he's going to attack. Of course he's going to attack the church. Of course he's going to attack the Jews, God's chosen people. Of course he's going to attack Israel and Jerusalem. Once you understand that, Going through tribulation becomes a reward, not something to run from. We compromise ourselves out of the will of God trying to avoid tribulation. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go looking for it. If you're serving the Lord, tribulation is going to find you. But because you're in the book of Revelation, and like we learned last lesson, Satan doesn't want you reading the book of Revelation. Why? Because you get to see his ending, his doom. That helps you to live better now. So here's John, and he's on the Isle of Patmos. 
And he says that he received the vision while he was in the spirit. Now, we see a lot of that going on now. People are in the spirit. And I'm not going to get into whether they are or not or what they do when they're in the spirit or not. But our understanding of John was that he was spiritized. He was able to move upward, heavenward, and he was also able to move forward in time. He was not restricted by the limitations of our earthly bodies. The Lord was able to move him into another dimension to see the day of the Lord. Now, some people interpret that as the Lord's day, meaning a Sunday. But what we learned and what I believe is that it's the Lord's day, meaning, you know how you say, let's say, for example, Things are going wrong in your life. Things are just not working out. And you say, I'm going to have my day one day, which basically means I'm going to have things my way. Well, that is the day of the Lord. Like how we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Has that time come yet? No, but it's coming. That's the Lord's day. See, right now it looks like God has no power with laws that are being made and, and man's evil agenda being legitimized by humankind, it appears that God has lost. He hasn't lost. All this has been prophesied. But one day, God will have his day where evil will be condemned to hell and all that is left are those who will live and reign with God forever. This is what John is seeing. This is what God is revealing to John. Now, we see where John was told to write the vision and send it out to the seven churches in Asia. And they represent they were represented by seven lampstands, symbols of light. We're supposed to be lights in a dark time, lights on a hill that cannot be hid. The scriptures tell us that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be living, especially now in these times with a sense of peace, with a sense of assurance. And people will look and say, how can you be so calm? Why is it that you're not stressed? And we should be able to share with them our peace through Jesus Christ. Are we doing that? Or are we just as frightened and confused as they are. This is the time where the church should rise above. But are we? Or have we been so caught up in our politics, in our socializing, in our fundraising, in all of that, that we missed understanding the times? That is so important now because people are searching for answers. Are you ready to give an answer as to what is happening in these times? That's what the church is to be. And so it's understood that John had a relationship with these seven churches, with Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so he was able to share this revelation with them. Remember, John was out and he was helping to start churches. This is after Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension. The apostles went out, the disciples went out to start churches, to take the, the gospel to the people. And so he had familiarity with these people. So he was able to send these letters 
this letter, this one letter to each of the seven churches. Then we get to the vision of the glorified risen son of man. John sees a vision of Jesus standing in the midst of these seven golden lampstands, which represent the seven churches. And in his right hand, he's holding seven stars, which represent the angels of the churches. And we learn that the word for the Greek word for angels is the Greek word for messengers. And so the understanding is these are the pastors of each of these churches. The letter is going to the pastor of each of these churches. Now, I'm not going to get into that too much because that's an exciting study all in itself. But each of these letters, which address each church first, and then they all get the same vision. Okay, that's what we've got to understand is chapters two and three of the book of Revelation are addressing each church but the rest of the book of Revelation, each of the goes to each one of them. So they all get the same letter, but they have their own special address at the beginning. So he John sees Jesus standing in the midst of these seven lampstands. And we've got to remember that Jesus is in the midst where two or more are gathered, there I am in their midst. When hearts come together of one accord to worship God, to serve him, Jesus is in the midst. You aren't alone. That's why we're not supposed to forsake gathering together because there the presence of the Lord is. And especially in these times when it's so hard to come together, whether physically in the house of worship or anywhere else. But tonight we had about 54 people in our Zoom class and the presence of the Lord was felt. So don't let physical limitations stop you from gathering. We've got technology and yeah, technology is being used in evil ways, but guess what? We can use it to spread the gospel. We can use it to fellowship. So don't let that be an excuse. That's not an excuse. If you don't have it, find somebody who does and communicate with them. Somebody in your circle, in your bubble as it is and get them to help you to use their technology so you can join up with fellow Christians. Now we get to the portrait of Christ in his vision. Oh my. Oh my. So we've known Jesus as a baby born in a manger. We've known him at 12 years old, his going to the temple and telling his parents that he must be about his father's business. We know him as the miracle worker, changed water into wine, healed the sick, raised the dead, uh, the blind could see. Uh, we know him as son of Mary. Uh, we know him as a savior on a cross whose life was given up for you and for me. We know him that he was buried in a borrowed tomb. We know him that three days later he rose from the dead as he said he would. 
And we know that he ascended into heaven 40 days later. That seems to be where it stops. Okay, he's gone away. And yes, he's coming back. And that seems to be where it stops. <laughs> Until you get to this book of Revelation. And then you see him in all his glory. We talked about his clothing, what he was wearing. He had a flowing robe, a long flowing robe that signified greatness. He had a golden girdle wrapped around his chest, signifying righteousness, a girdle. Now, I know that's not a word you hear very much anymore, but I remember when I was young, I never wore one, but my seniors, those my elders older than me, the women, mom, grandma, aunts, they wore girdles, kind of like Spanx, but first generation. <laughs> They were tight. Oh, they used to fight to put these things on and sucked everything in. And they would have what they call bones in them to keep you erect, everything tight. Well, think about that. A girdle of righteousness around his chest, keeping everything, his heart protected with righteousness. That's how we're supposed to live, with a righteous heart, not self-righteous, Righteous through Christ. So you had the long flowing robe. You had the golden girdle of righteousness. Then his head and his hair were white. White like wool. Representing absolute holiness and wisdom. And somebody even joked tonight that at 33, he had <laughs> white hair. But he's the ancient of days. Jesus was before all was. All things were created by him and there was nothing that has been created that was not made by him, through him. He is the Ancient of Days. So, long flowing robe, greatness, golden girdle, righteousness, hair white, holiness and wisdom. And his eyes, he had eyes of fire, penetrating Jesus is going to look through our actions right to our intentions. Why do you do the works that you do in church? Is it for you or is it for him? There's a song that says, for your glory, I will do anything. I'll cross the hardest desert, travel near or far. Really? Really? Well, maybe he doesn't want you to cross the hardest desert, but maybe he wants you to share a cup of water with the person sitting next to you. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go and be kind to the untouchables right there as you walk to work? Don't worry about a hot desert. Can you do that? Why? For the sake of the cross, not to make yourself look good. His eyes are going to penetrate and see through all that we have done. His feet like brass, brass meaning judgment. He talked about the brazen altar in the Old Testament, which is why it is so important to know the Old Testament, because so much of that comes up in the book of Revelation. But the brazen altar was for sacrifice. 
was for judgment. The people of Israel had to bring unblemished offerings to be burned for their sins. They had to bring unblemished lambs, which is why Jesus Christ is the lamb that takes away the sins of mankind. And the altar was made of brass so it could withstand the heat and the fire. But it was judgment. That's, that's where your sin was purged. Well, Jesus had feet like brass. And the contrast there is those are the feet that carried him and the cross on his back to Calvary. Those are the feet that received the nails. But now he stands as judge with feet of brass. His mouth, like many waters, representing power. And we compared that to the roar of the ocean during a hurricane and how the water could pulverize rock and sand. If you remember down at Horseshoe Bay during Hurricane Fabian, the water cut the hill that takes you to the curve. We used to have to go up the hill and down the other side to get to the baby pool there. But now we just walk right through. The water pulverized that hill. Can you imagine the roar of the ocean at that point in time? That's his voice. Goes from a still, quiet voice to the roar like the ocean. Just picture it. The robe, the girdle, his hair white, his eyes of fire, his feet like brass, his voice like many waters. And then his right hand of lordship, control, and authority. You know, last summer, all you saw was Black Lives Matter, and this is what you saw. Jesus is so much more than that. Why are they holding up their right hand? Power. Jesus has power, ultimate power. And in his hand, he's holding the seven stars. The seven stars are again representing the messengers, the angels of the church. He's about to give them a message, each one prior to revealing himself in the rest of this book or letter as it was in John's day. And his face brighter than the sun. And that's when we see that song. Behold, he comes riding on a cloud, shining like the sun at the trumpet call. Lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. His face shining like the sun. We can't even look at the sun that we have for more than a half a second. But his face shining like the sun. What an awesome picture this is. This is the true Christ who came and laid down his life for us, who girded himself around his waist and washed the disciples' feet, who could have called 10,000 angels to take him off that cross, but he didn't. He chose to die there for you and for me. This is the Christ in the book of Revelation that most people, that many people don't want to read. Satan keeps us bound because he doesn't want us to read this book. Why? Because we know his doom and we know who will do it. 
And that person stands for us, is seated at the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. Wow. You can't have a better friend than that. And guess what? At this point, when John saw that hell vision, he couldn't, he could not contain himself. He fell down as dead as dead. And we talked about that too. What's your reaction when you walk out and you look at the sun? First thing you do is turn away. Imagine all that glory. And John can't handle it. None of us can handle that glory. And he fell down as dead. But Jesus, who has all that power and authority, put his right hand on John and said, Fear not. Fear not. I am the eternal God. Fear not, I am the resurrected Christ. Fear not, for I have the keys of death and hell. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. With friends like that, <laughs> enemies beware. <laughs> wow. Like I said, that's one of my favorite lessons. But one thing I want to say here, there are people who are taking Jesus' white hair and his feet of burnished brass and making it a racial thing. Jesus was black because he had white hair and his feet were like brass. What does that have to do with anything? It's not about his color. We know Jesus was a Hebrew, a Jew, not about color. It's not about making one race better than another race. It's about his attributes. And you know, it was really funny because we even touched on this. They're making superheroes. And when you look at those attributes, that's what the superheroes have. You know, penetrating vision can see through anything. Superman, you know, the power, authority, Everybody wants to rule the world. You know, we've got these superheroes who are taking these attributes upon themselves. But you know what? As someone pointed out in the group, each one of them had a weakness. I mean, Superman for all that he was, and he could see through anything but lead. His weakness was kryptonite. You know, Jesus had no weakness. He became weak for us. He chose to become weak for us. He became like us. And one day we're going to become like him. So that was the lesson tonight. Christ and his churches. John's vision of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming as king and judge. And as we look around and we see the signs of the times, and we're going to get to that too. It's pretty soon. So I hope you enjoyed this little trip down Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. I challenge you to go back and read them again. Read them in a few translations. Get an understanding. Know who it is that you have chosen to give your life to. He's more than that Savior on a cross. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood. And you know, if you want to accept Christ now, then that's, that's the prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. I have done so much wrong. I don't know how you can love me. 
but you love me so much that you sent your son, Jesus. He became weak like me. And he shed his blood so that I won't have to. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Help me turn from my wicked ways. And help me to serve you, to glorify you. That's it. Now, if you said that prayer in earnest and you want some guidance and direction, if you don't have a church home, then send us an email at swim at logic dot bm. Swim, S-W-I-M, at logic dot bm. We'll reach out to you. We'll welcome you into the family and we'll help to set your path, your feet on the path of righteousness. So thanks for joining me. I pray that you've been blessed by this and encouraged. Go on and purchase a Bible and read along with us as we go through the book of Revelation. So on this night, this is Superintendent Janice Battersby with insights from Soup, and we'll see you next week. Blessings abound.